All right. Would you turn to somebody and say, it's time to grow up? Uh-oh, uh-oh. I don't want you doing what happened in Cutler. I mean, somebody told me after church, Pastor, my wife was elbowing me for every point that you shared. So I, I need you to, somebody give me an offering so that I can buy that person bio-freeze. No, just kidding. <laughs> They're hurting. <laughs> wow. Yes, I want to share with you uh, a message that God's placed on my heart based on uh, a letter written by Peter. And it's on growing up. And I'll be sharing tonight and then, I mean, this morning and then on Wednesday night as well, continuing this theme of growing up. Now, how many of you uh, want to grow up? All right. Wow, somebody said, do we have to grow up? (laughs) Uh, Somebody noted, and I concur, they stated this, cross without the Holy Spirit, you dry up. Holy Spirit, without the cross, you puff up. With the cross and the Holy Spirit, You grow up. You see, we need to go back to the cross to know what Jesus has freed us from through His redemptive work. But on the daily, we need to depend on the Holy Spirit so that we can continue to grow up in Christ. We need to renew our minds with what the cross accomplished, the cross of Christ, and We need the renewing of the Holy Spirit on the daily so that we can grow up. So Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, he shares with us how you and I can grow up. It says, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual or pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have tasted of the Lord's kindness. Growth is intentional, not accidental. Let me repeat that. Growth is intentional, not accidental. In the 1920s, there was a young African-American child who was growing up in Cleveland. One day, a famous athlete by the name of Charlie, Charlie Paddock came to his school to speak to all the students. At the time, Paddock Paddock was considered the fastest human being alive. He told the children, listen, what do you want to be? You name it, and then believe that God will help you be it. That little boy decided that he too wanted to be the fastest human being on earth. The boy went to his tracks coach and told him of his new dream. His coach told him, it's great to have a dream. But to attain your dream, 
You must build a ladder to it. Here is the ladder to your dreams. The first rung is determination. And the second rung is dedication. And the third rung is discipline. And the fourth rung is attitude. The result of the motive, that motivation is that this young boy went on to win as he grew up four gold medals in the 1936 Berlin Olympics. He won the 100 meter dash and broke the Olympic and world records for the 200 meter. His broad jump record lasted for 24 years or and his name was Jesse Owens. Jesse got a dream, but he also understood that with that dream there had to be an intentionality to grow. Because again, just like in the physical, spiritual growth is not an accident. It is intentional. You must intend to grow. You must make a choice to grow. I don't know how to say it any clearer than this. You are right now as close to Jesus Christ as you choose to be. If you are not growing spiritually, don't blame your wife or husband or kids or parents or pastor. You are as close to God as you choose to be. If you don't feel close to God right now, guess who moved? God didn't move. Now Peter tells us what is necessary to grow up. And I want to focus on the first thing that he reveals in 1 Peter 2, 1-3. The first thing that's necessary in order for you and I to grow up. You've got to give up to grow up. Let me say that again. You've got to give up to grow up. Notice what he says in verse 1. So get rid of or give up all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all kinds of unkind speech. Now, I want you to notice here that he reveals specifically what is necessary to give up if we want to grow up. Here he, he mentions five specific things that we must give up in order to grow up. And what happens, Pastor, if I decide not to give those things up but to hold on to them? They will hold you hostage. In the words of Pastor Judah Smith, you are holding yourself hostage with resentment, envy, jealousy, bitterness. All of these things actually do not serve you. They do not benefit you in your journey in life. This exhortation by Peter is very similar to that written by the author of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, we read, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us, notice, strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run, notice, with endurance the race God has set before us. What is the writer of Hebrews revealing? Any unhealthy 
attitude or action that I hold on to will slow me down, trip me up, and eventually wear me out, and ultimately can take me out of the running. So Peter says, if you want to grow up, you've got to give up. And Peter mentions five types of attitudes or actions that will keep us stuck and stunted. So who wants to grow up? Some of you want to stay in that Peter Pan syndrome. Little boy, lost boy all your life. It's time to grow up, man. So he tells us five things that we need to give up to grow up. The first is evil behavior. Say evil behavior. He says if you want to grow up, you got to give up evil behavior. Now, this word for evil behavior, it means ill will or malice. Ill will or malice. Have you ever been offended by somebody? And as a result of the offense, you willed ill on them. No, not y'all. Have you ever found yourself being crossed by somebody or falsely accused by somebody or slandered by somebody or abused or misused by somebody? And then the, the reaction in your heart was, ooh, may the fleas of a thousand camels torment you when you go to bed tonight. You ill, you willed ill on them. Evil behavior means to have ill will towards somebody. Hold malice against somebody. Abraham Lincoln, America's most beloved president, was anything but beloved while he was in office. The South hated him. The anti-war activists hated him. Democrats hated him, calling him a widow-maker. The media ridiculed his eyes, looks, and body, calling him a freak of nature. Harper's Magazine so much as to call him a host of names in print, such as filthy storyteller, despot, liar, thief, braggart, buffoon, usurper, monster, ignoramus Abe, old scoundrel, perjurer, swindler, tyrant, field butcher, land pirate. And you thought you had it bad. But Abraham Lincoln would not stoop down to the level of his critics. He won over a lot of his enemies and critics by holding fast to the famous principle encapsulated in his second inaugural address in which he stated, With malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness, in the right. He continued, we're all role models, either positively or negatively, no matter what station in life we occupy. It's one of the things we attain by simply being human beings in a community of other human beings. Abraham Lincoln chose, instead of holding on to resentment, to bitterness, and the desire of ill will towards his enemies. He chose to release the offense. He chose to forgive them of the debts that they had toward him. And as a result, 
He could have the peace of God guarding his heart and mind. I want you to understand today that you can ill will things towards others that have hurt you. But the result will be you will stay hostage because of unforgiveness, malice, ill will. Dr. S.I. McMillan says that a disordered emotional life is a frequent cause of ulcerative colitis, toxic goiters, high blood pressure, and scores of other diseases. He goes on to say, if the truth were revealed, thousands of death certificates would record that the victims died of grudgitis. Have you ever been infected by grudgitis? Truth is, the moment I start hating a man, I become his slave. He controls my thoughts. He hounds me wherever I go. So I want to encourage you like Peter is. Get rid of grudgitis, evil behavior, ill will, malice. Remember, you can't get ahead trying to get even. You can't get ahead trying to get even. Jesus paid the price, not only for the forgiveness of the one who has offended you, but also so that you could be free, not be a hostage, not be a slave to somebody else's actions. You can be free regardless of what they've done to you. You can be free and enjoy peace in your life. But you got to get rid of it will. Then he says the second thing, if you want to grow up, you got to give up deceit. Say deceit. This word means decoy, a trick, bait. Have you ever decoyed somebody? Have you ever acted like you cared for somebody? But you knew all the while you were setting them up for a trap. Some of you are being honest. Thank you. There were two friends that they ran into each other while walking their dogs. One suggests lunch. The other says, they won't let us in. A restaurant with pets. Undeterred, the first guy and his German shepherd head into the restaurant. The mater d stops them saying, sir, you can't bring your dog in here. But I'm blind, the man replies, and this is my guide dog. The mater d apologizing profusely, shows both man and dog to a table. His friend waits five minutes, then tries the same routine. You have a chihuahua for a guide dog? The skeptical mater d says. A chihuahua, the man says. Is that what they gave me? In the words of Abraham Lincoln, you can fool some of the people all the time and all of the people some of the time, but you cannot fool all of the people all of the time. And there's someone you can never fool. It's God. Paul said in Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived. God cannot be mocked. God cannot be outwitted. 
God cannot be outfoxed. Whatever a man sows, so shall he also reap. He who sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. You can fool me. You can fool your neighbor. You can fool your mama, your daddy. But you can't fool God. He will not be decoyed. You cannot trap him. God loves you too much to let you live a life of a fool. And to try to fool him is useless and futile. Got to give you credit. At least you're responding. And the cutler was like, after the worship, they're like, and then we get this. Yes. Want to help you grow up. You got to give up to grow up. And the third thing you got to give up is hypocrisy. Say hypocrisy. The word for hypocrisy literally means a reply. A reply. The word came to denote a fiat. Theatrical performance by one who spoke in dialogue. Then it was used of play acting, role playing, pretending, hence acting insincerely. Hypocrisy. Uh, There was a forest ranger and he's making rounds in a remote part of the wooden reserve when he comes across an unkept man sitting at a makeshift campfire. And to the ranger's astonishment, this man is eating a fish and a bald eagle. The man is consequently put in jail for the crime. He was soon brought to trial for his crime. The judge asked the man, do you know that eating a bald eagle is a federal offense? Yes, I do, judge, replied the man. But if you will let me explain, or let, let me argue my, clay, my case, I'll explain what happened. The judge responded, you may proceed. The man continues, I got lost in the woods and hadn't had anything real to eat for two weeks. I was so hungry, I was eating plants to stay alive. Next thing I see is a bald eagle swooping down at the lake, grabbing a fish. I thought if I startled the eagle, I could maybe steal the fish. Lo and behold, the eagle lighted upon, landed upon a nearby tree stump to eat the fish. I threw a stone toward the eagle hoping he would drop the fish and fly away. Unfortunately, in my weakened condition, my my aim was off, and the rock hit the eagle squarely on his poor little head, and it killed him. I thought long and hard about what had happened, but figured that since I had killed it, I might as well eat it, since it would be more disgraceful to let it rot on the ground. The judge said... He will take a recess to analyze the defendant's testimony. Fifteen minutes go by and the judge returns with his verdict. Due to the extreme circumstances you were under and because you didn't intend to kill the eagle, the court will dismiss the charges. The judge then leans over the bench and whispers, If you don't mind my asking, what does a bald eagle taste like? The man responded, Well, Your Honor, it's hard to explain. I guess the best comparison I can make is, it's a bit more tender than a California condor, but lacks the tang of a spotted owl. (laughs) Y'all know he was being a hypocrite, right? He was pretending, right? Peter says, get rid of hypocrisy. Quit play acting. Quit role playing. Be honest. 
Why? Because of this. Living a double life will get you nowhere twice as fast. Living a double life will get you nowhere twice as fast. Get rid of hypocrisy. We don't have to pretend with God. We can be authentic, vulnerable, honest with him. And he will free us. Amen? And then he says there's a fourth thing. If you want to grow up, you got to give up jealousy. Say jealousy. <laughs> Some translations use the word envy. The NLT uses the word jealousy. What's the difference between the two? What's the difference between jealousy and envy? Dr. Gary Collins writes this. There is a distinction between jealousy and envy. To envy is to want something which belongs to another person. The scripture says you shall not covet your neighbor's house, his wife, or his servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He continues, in contrast, jealousy is the fear that something which we possess will be taken away by another person. Although jealousy can apply to our jobs, our possessions, our reputations, the word more often refers to anxiety, which comes, which comes when we are afraid that the affections of a loved one might be lost to a rival. We fear that our mates or perhaps our children will be lured away by some other person who, when compared to us, seems more attractive, capable, and successful. Here's what I've learned about jealousy. You and I become jealous because we think that somebody else is going to steal our shine. Let me say that again. You and I become jealous because we think that somebody else is going to steal our shine. So we decide to cast shade on them. In the scripture, we have an example of someone who became Consumed by jealousy. His name was King Saul. In 1 Samuel chapter 18 verses 6 through 9 we read. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine. Women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. Notice this made Saul very angry. What's this? He said, they credit David with ten thousands, me only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. Notice. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Have you ever seen somebody with a jealous eye? They're suspicious. Everything the other person does they're suspicious because they're thinking they're doing it to make me look bad. Saul had a jealous eye. Why? Because he was comparing himself 
with David. We grow in jealousy because we start comparing ourselves with others. We are not to compare with others. We are to celebrate. Why? Because they may do what I cannot do, but there's things that God created for me to do that they cannot do. You're gifted as well. You're called of God as well. You also have abilities, skills, talents that God has given to you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Who cares if you can't do what they do? There's something that God's gifted you to do that they cannot accomplish. Therefore, you have value. Therefore, your life matters. Therefore, your life can be fruitful and fulfilling as well. You got to give up to grow up. One more. All, say all, unkind speech. Now, pastor, now you've gone from preaching to meddling. (laughs) Peter says if you want to grow up, you got to give up all unkind speech. And Paul writes in Ephesians 4.29, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words, notice, will be an encouragement to those who hear them. If you are a Christ follower, now if you're a sinner, go ahead and cuss yourself out. Cuss all you want. And I tell people, I was a cusser. When I got in junior high and high school, I, I was a, I was determined to show people that I wasn't a real PK, that I was uh, something else. In fact, I was so embarrassed about being a PK, I remember my elementary teacher asking, and so what does your dad do? You know what, I, I lied. I said, oh, he, 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 he pumps gas at the gas station. But she knew what he did, so she said, oh, that's beside being a pastor? There goes my cover. But if you're a child of God, your speech ought to be changed. Well, I can't help it. Oh, yes, you can. You have help from heaven inside of you. And as you begin to depend on him, he will empower you so that what you used to talk about, you're not talking about anymore. What you used to say is not slipping out of your mouth anymore because you are leaning on the one who is your helper. And he's not just going to help you with your walk. He's going to help you with your talk. Oh, I'm going to start meddling a little more. Because the scripture doesn't stop there. Watch this. Ephesians 5, 4. Let's switch it over. Ephesians 5, 4. Not even the computer wants to go there because it's... (laughs) Notice, obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Oh, but this is the 21st, second, first century pastor. I mean, everybody does it. But he says, that is not to be amongst us as children of God. Why? 
Is it because we live by a different rule book? No. It's because we have a different resident inside of us. The devil doesn't live in here. The Holy Spirit does. And he gives me the power to speak life instead of death. While I'm at it, if you're feeding on that stuff, because I know, not here I hope, but yeah, I know here too. Some, some of you are like, I like whoever your famous comedian is. But if they're using obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, and you're letting it seep into your ears, it's going to start making a sewer of your heart. And eventually, I don't know what happened. I didn't know that was in me. Oh, you've been putting it in you. It's going to come out. You see, this is stuff we don't really talk about in the church. But it's the stuff the Bible talks about because the Bible wants to do more than make us happy. It wants to make us healthy and whole and complete. That's what Jesus came to do. So, beloved, as we conclude this message this morning, here's a reminder. Again, any unhealthy attitude or action that I hold on to will slow me down. Trip me up, eventually wear me out, and ultimately can take me out of the running. You've got to give up to grow up. Someone stated, I am not what I might be. I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I wish to be. I am not what I hope to be. But I thank God I am not what I once was. And I can say with the great apostle, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And this Bible says in Hebrews 4.16, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And so what are you saying, Pastor? The grace that saved you is the grace that will empower you to be able to get rid of, to be able to give up anything that is holding you hostage, anything that is holding you back. The same grace that saved you out of the pit is the same grace that will empower you to live your life firmly planted on the rock that come hell or high water, you will be different. Not because of you, but because of His abounding grace that gives you sufficiency to be able to endure, to be able to carry out what He directs you to do. The God who calls you to obey gives you the grace to obey. All you got to do is come and say, Lord, you're right. That's in me. I got a problem with that. I do ill will. I do have the will of illing. <laughs> Lord, there's some areas that there's deceit in my heart. 
Lord, there, there, there's some areas in my life where I'm hypocritical. I'm play acting. I'm not being authentic. I'm not being real. Lord, I am jealous. I'm jealous of so-and-so. And I realize it's because I've been comparing myself. I'm, I'm attaching my value to whether or not they're better than me or I'm better than them. And I realize that's not what it's about. Lord, there's some stuff coming out of here that needs to stop. I need to be cleansed. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. And renew a right spirit within me. Listen, that's why he says, come to the throne of grace. Why? Because when the Lord convicts you, it's not to shame you. It's to change you. The devil condemns you to shame you. But the Lord convicts you. He causes you to see "Mm, that right there. That needs to be addressed in your life. And he does that because he wants you to know, I'm ready to free you of that. If you're ready to yield to me and come, I have mercy for you. And I have divine empowerment for you so that you can rise above that which has been keeping you down. Father, thank you for this word today. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for loving us as a father who desires our well-being, our wholeness. You desire for us to experience the fullness of life, the fullness of the release of your working in us. But sometimes there are things in our lives, and I know I've been guilty that I've held on to things that I need to give up because they're stopping the flow. They're like a plug. And they're keeping the flow of your life from being able to work in me, in my life. But thank you that you love me enough to speak to me directly. Speak to me specifically. Reveal to me things that are hampering or hurting or hindering me. And you do so to bring freedom. Yeah. And so I know this word was for today. And you're here today and you say, Pastor Angel, I, there's some things on that list that I needed to address in my life today. And I know that I've got to give them up to grow up. And I'm ready to come to God because I realize it's only through His grace, through His supernatural imparted ability that I can carry out what He's called me to do. And I'm ready. I want to grow up. I don't want to be stuck or stunted. I want to grow up. I want to grow up in the fullness of the salvation of all that salvation has made possible for my life. I want to grow up. I want to grow up. That's you. I want to invite you forward right now. If you're online, you can just right there in your home make an altar. Turn to God. Just come to Him and surrender. And I'm inviting those of you in this room, in this building right now, that you know God has spoken to you directly today of things or something you need to give up. I want you to come forward. Come boldly. Come confidently. Because you're coming to a Father who loves you. You're coming to a Heavenly Father who's for you. You're coming to the Heavenly Father who desires to bring freedom and fullness of life into your life. He wants to release 
is fullness of life. But there's some blockades that need to be removed. There's some things I need to give up so that there can be the free flow of His life in my life and I can experience the fullness of what salvation offers. That's it. Come boldly. There's mercy here. There's grace for you here. 